Well, appreciate you, Josh, reading the scripture for us. That's our, our teaching text. We're in Exodus chapter 20. If you're visiting with us, you hadn't been here in a bit, we're walking through the book of Exodus, and we are uh, in the Ten Commandments. And we're on commandment number nine today. And it just, it, I, got a, I did get your text, Adriana. I didn't know it. I didn't. I had to think for a second. She asked me just a few minutes ago, did you get my text? And she had texted me and said, man, what an what a interesting coincidence that next week is the, the 10th commandment. Not, it says, do not covet, right? And it's a, a day of thanksgiving that we'll be focusing on thanksgiving and getting our hearts ready for that. So uh, it's interesting in God's providence how he orchestrated that. Uh, but we are Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, the first four commandments of these um, teach us how to love God. We'll review those in just a moment with the hand motions, right, so we can remember them. The first four commandments teach us how to love God, and the, the next six, how to love our neighbor. So if we, do, if we love God rightly, then we'll lo love our neighbor rightly. And we, we see that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. We love, John writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we love because he first loved us. And that's a given. We understand that, right? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We should love God. And if we do, what's, what happens is we will love our neighbor. If we love God rightly, we'll love our neighbor rightly. God-loving people... Josh, are loving people. God-loving people, they're just loving people. They love their neighbor. And the, and the fifth through the tenth commandments instruct us how to love our neighbor. So I can put it another way, Chris. If we, if we aren't obedient to our parents, which is the fifth commandment, right, it's because we don't love God rightly. If we take the life of another, right, the sixth commandment, we do so because we don't love God as we should. If we commit adultery, and as Jesus opens that commentary up for us, if we lust after another that's not our spouse, why do we do that? Because our love of God, love for God is lacking. If we take something wrongfully from our neighbor and keep it as our own, we do so because of the insufficient love we have for our Creator. If you love God, you'll love your neighbor. So let's review those real quickly. We've been talking about these for um, nine weeks now, and we want to learn the Ten Commandments. If you're visiting with us, we're trying to learn these, uh, not some, just for knowledge's sake, but um, it's, this is really important in not only redemptive history, but just in history, period, right? So it's good to know these commandments in Norman order. So the first one, you have to hold your finger up. Graham, in order to learn these, you learned these in seminary, but you might have forgotten. So hold your finger up. If you hold your finger up, you do the little motions, it'll help you remember them later on, like Bo. Bo doesn't have to do it. See, as you see Bo, see Bo? He's not doing it because he already knows them. <laughs> he already knows them. But what happens is, Aiden, there comes a point where you don't have to do the things, but it takes a while, right? So the first one is one God, right? Don't have any other gods before me. One God. The second commandment is no idols. Don't carve any idols, right? All right? The third, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? We do this, don't take the Lord's name in vain. All right, that's the third one. The fourth one is, yeah, remember the Sabbath. And what do we do on the Sabbath? We take a nap. Remember the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. Okay, so that's the first four, teach us how to love God. And then the second uh, tablet, if you will, the second group, starting uh, with the fifth one is honor your father and mother, right? You, what do you say to your mom and daddy? Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right? Honor your father and mother. And the sixth, don't, don't murder, right? Don't kill, right? Don't take the life of an image bearer of God. Right? 
The sixth one. Everybody understand that one? Yeah. All right. The seventh is don't commit adultery, right? And again, God, what happens with Christ, we have the, the letter of the law, right? And the sixth commandment is murder, right? Don't, don't kill. That's the letter of the law. What's the intent of the law? Jesus commentates on that. We shouldn't even be maliciously angry against someone else, right? Because that anger, that attitude leads to murder. Same thing with the seventh, adultery, right? These two have to stay together. Adultery is the same way, right? We don't commit adultery, but we also don't even lust, Jesus said, after someone who's not your spouse, right? Because that leads to adultery. So that's the seventh commandment. Don't commit adultery. The eighth, yeah, don't steal. What happens when you steal in some countries, right? They take off your digits, right? So don't steal, right? Don't steal. And we, we said last week about... Stealing, taking things from someone else and, and taking them as your own. When we do that, we're not trusting God's providential care for us. If we trust God's care, he's going to provide. We don't have to take from someone else. And then, of course, we get to the ninth uh, commandment. And the story behind this one is if nine people say it's this way and this person says it happened a different way, he's probably... Lying, right? He's probably not telling the truth. Okay, so the ninth commandment, that's where we are. Tell the truth, do not bear false witness. All right. Well, specifically, this ninth commandment teaches us not to lie in court. So it's a judicial setting. You're in court, there's a court case. Don't bear false witness, don't say things that are not true. Uh, about the accused. Let's think about it in context, okay? This is the, this was written on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written down by Moses. Think about during Moses' day when the Israelites have been redeemed from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, miraculous things happening, God taking care of his people. They're traveling from the Red Sea, they're traveling towards the promised land, right? They're going to the promised land. But on the way, they stop at Mount Sinai where they spend about 11 months receiving the law from the Lord. He established this Mosaic covenant, the law. He gives the law to them. Think about their culture when these laws were given. There's no security cameras to catch a thief. There's no phones to video somebody that's doing something they shouldn't be doing. There's no face recognition software. There's no iPhones to track someone. There's no what is it, life. What is it? I have it on my phone. I don't know what it's called. Life. Life 360. There's none of that right then going on. Uh, there's uh, no forensic science. That, that's not going on, Maddie, at this point in time in history. Right? There's no DNA testing there on Mount Sinai. Right? Um, and, and think about people. They weren't very mobile. They, they weren't very mobile. And, and what I mean by that is like if someone took something from your home or from your property or from your tent, it's probably going to be somebody that you know in your community. Well, like they're going to rip off a bunch of stuff, load it up in a car and take off. No, that just didn't happen. The accusation also wasn't declared to the police. Josh, you wouldn't get called, right? Because they had no police department, right? It was brought before the elders of the community. So if someone's accused of doing something wrong, they're brought before the elders, the leaders in their community. And all you had was your word. Your word against someone else's. But God in his infinite wisdom taught them that if a Accusations would be made, there had to be a, a witness, right? Two or three. And witnesses, they're, they're very important. So think about it. None of this technology, they're living in a, a community that's not very mobile. So if something was taken, was stolen, something happened terrible, uh, a, a crime was committed, something, there, there was no... There was nothing but a witness. So they're very, very important in this day and time. 
So to be dishonest about what you saw or lie about a person's whereabouts had, could have grave or fatal consequences. And there were no prisons. So if something happened, someone broke a law, someone violated someone, someone sinned against someone else, they wouldn't take them to jail. The leaders, they would sit before the leaders, there would be a, um, uh, a time of discussion where they determine if this happened or not, and the sentence would be carried out immediately if there was one to be carried out. In case of theft, restitution was made in some way. Uh, or the accuser would, in, in some cases, pay with their life or maybe a loss of a digit or a limb. And for added protection against bearing false witness, the accuser had to throw the first stone if they were to be put to death. And, you know, it's one thing to accuse somebody of doing something wrong. It's another thing, right, altogether to, to be the first one to, to throw a stone at them. So that's kind of the, the context that this command was given in. Your word was very important. Do not bear false witness. And it, it, children, we think about children. I, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, children oftentimes they'll um, you'll see them in cartoons or in TV shows telling a lie. And what do they do? They're telling a lie, but then behind their back they cross their fingers. Children do this. Maybe you did this as a child. And the thought is that crossing one's fingers absolves them from responsibility for that lie. Why they, anyone would think that, I don't know. But uh, if your lie is discovered, you can claim that, well, I had my fingers crossed. I had my fingers crossed. Some of you silly girls, you probably did that. Mackenzie, you did that when you was little, I know. Silly. But to be able to cross your fingers as you tell a lie, that doesn't, that doesn't happen in adult life, does it? That doesn't happen in the real world. Do not bear false witness. So three points today. First is liar, liar, pants on fire. Mackenzie used to say that too. And then what's the next line, Mackenzie? No, I'm saying what do you say after that? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Then what's the next line of that little... I know it, I'm sorry. I've called her name twice, and she's freaked smooth out. <laughs> liar, liar. What's the next line? I don't know. Pants on fires. I don't know. What I thought you would not hang your, hang your pants from a telephone wire or something like that is what I always heard. That's what I heard. I don't know. The consequence for lying, right? And the emphasis here is on the fire part, right? The consequence for lying were dreadful in the Old Covenant. Let's read Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 20. If a malicious, malicious, you know what that means. Or you have, you're malicious, mean you, you're out to get them, right? If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priest and the judges who are in office of those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness, if they've lied and, and has accused his brother falsely, then they shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear and never commit such evil among you. Pretty good, huh? But the consequences for bearing false witness are dreadful, right? Psalm 5, verse 6, You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors, abhor. Do you know what that means? Yeah, you might, want, you might not be mind, mind being hated by somebody, right? But you don't want the Lord to abhor you. The Lord abhors the blood for, bloodthirsty and deceitful man. That's in the old covenant. That's pretty terrible, isn't it? What about the new covenant? Well, in the consummation of all things, Revelation chapter 22, in the new covenant, so we see it in the old covenant, it's hated. Liars are abhorred. They're to be punished. Revelation 22, 14, and 15. This is, the, again, the consummation of all things. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. This is talking about the new heavens and the new earth, right? The new Jerusalem. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices what? Falsehood. Yeah. This is when everything's 
Aiden, everything is taken care of and, 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 and judgment has been passed. You have those who are part of the kingdom of God and those who aren't. And who are not are those who practice falsehood. Paul, again, we've read this text the last three or four weeks, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And what does that mean? We've said it the last few weeks. What does that mean? You go to hell. Not inheriting the kingdom of God is you go to hell and you'll be in hell for all eternity where you'll suffer the wrath of the Father. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. That verse 10, the swindlers, the revilers, the swindlers. A swindler is someone who lies, right? will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, Revelation 21, again, the context, the new heavens and new earth. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So there's the consequence. There's eternal consequences, right, to lying. Dishonesty, it's prohibited in the Old Covenant and the New. Let's look again, Acts chapter 5. Flip over to the New Testament. Flip there with, we won't put that up on the screen. I'm going to let you flip. Practice your Bible drill. All right. Acts chapter 5. That's New, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. All right. It's, if you have a black pew Bible, it's page 1084. We're going to look at this account of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Covenant. So we're jumping over the New That's the Old Covenant. You know, God pours out sulfur and, and brimstone and wrath, and people are put to death, and terrible things happen, right? Well, we just looked at the New Covenant, and when, when the consummation of all things, when God makes everything right, liars will be put out, not in, put out, right? But here we see a, an actual... New Testament account. The early church, they shared everything they had. If there's a needy person, they would pool all their money, food together, and they would take care of those who had need. One man sold a field he had, some property, and he gave the money to the apostles to be, to be used for those that were needy. So Ananias and Sapphira, they saw Barnabas, what he had done, and they're like, we, we want to get in on that. And so they had a, a piece of property that they sold, and they brought the money, and they gave it to the apostles. But they, they were dishonest about the money. Let's read that, Acts chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? In other words, you didn't have to bring any money. You're not obligated. Barnabas did that out of the goodness of his heart. You weren't obligated to sell your property. You weren't obligated to bring that money and give it to the apostles. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. See, what he did wrong was not that he sold his property and gave the money. It didn't matter if you gave a dime or, or a little bit or a lot. The issue was you lied about it. What did they want? They wanted some glory, didn't they? Right? Look at Barnabas. Everybody thinks so highly of him, the son of encouragement. He gets a nickname. He's loved. Let's do the same and get us some glory, right? And so that's what they did. But they lied about the money. They held back some of it. It's fine. It's yours. Do it what you want. But they lied about it. Verse 5, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Do you know what that means? He died. <laughs> he dropped dead. Graveyard dead, right? 
And great fear came among all those who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. In other words, she told him how much she... The lie, right? That Ananias had said. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. A couple things happen here that I want you to draw your attention to. They both fell graveyard dead because they lied. How'd they die? The Lord put them to death. They dropped graveyard dead because they lied. And what happened? There was great fear. And hey, folks, that was the intent. We ought to be fearful of the living God. Who sees everything. Nothing's concealed. There's consequences to being a liar. And to being dishonest. And to, for bearing false witness. Right? In this court setting. But also think about the consequences just to a community in general. If there's deceit and lying. If truth is not spoken in court cases, then what happens? Justice is threatened. That's a bad place to be. If no one's telling the truth. So the ninth commandment seeks to in ensure a just verdict in these cases by prohibiting the bearing of false witness, bearing a false testimony against someone else, which may either wrongly incriminate or vindicate the accused. No, we want justice. If someone's wrong, they need to be punished. We want justice served. If they're innocent, we want justice served. If you're old enough to remember the O.J. Simpson trial, you were, I'm sure, affected by that. O.J. Simpson, his ex-wife and a friend of hers, maybe a boyfriend, I'm not sure about that, but they had they had been they had died, they'd been killed. And O.J. Simpson became a suspect immediately. Five days after they were killed, O.J. led the Los Angeles Police Department. I wouldn't say on a chase. It wasn't really a chase, was it? It was like a drive. And you remember the some of you in your mind now you the white Bronco with all the police cars behind it. And the reason they were just following the car was because O.J. Simpson, he had one of his ex-teammates driving. The, the teammate was actually driving his own white Bronco. That was his. It wasn't O.J. Simpson's. O.J. Simpson's was back at his house, right? And that's where he had the, found the victim's blood in the car. But O.J. Simpson's in the back with a gun to his own head, right? And that's why they're just driving. Eventually, they drive back to O.J. Simpson's house, and they arrest him, and they put him on trial and the facts pointed to a sure guilty verdict but surprisingly he was uh, acquitted and what was the effect of that it undermined your confidence in the justice system did it not did it, this cause you to have confidence in the legal system no it didn't it, it undermined it In, in the days of Moses, in the days of the Israelites, a dishonest witness would do the same. That's why they, according to Deuteronomy 17, you had to have two witnesses before an accusation could be spoken. Consequences to bearing false witness are great indeed. The second point I want to point out to you quickly is that Jesus suffered because of liars and false witnesses. Our Savior, while he walked this earth, he suffered because of liars. Turn the Bible, if you will, uh, Matthew chapter 26. Let's turn there. 
If you're, you have your black pew Bible, it's page 990. Jesus is, the, is called in Revelation 1 a faithful witness. He's, he's called the truth. <laughs> he is the truth. Right? Yet the religious leaders of his day sought to have him arrested and condemned. And of course we know that that actually occurred. And they used false witnesses against him. Matthew 26 verses 57 through 61 Let's read that together. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest. So he's, he's going through this mock trial in the middle of the night, right? Bogus trial. Where the scribes and the elders had gathered, and Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Peter had denied Jesus, right? And he's just going to see what happens. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, and they found none. But but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, "This man said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days." They were seeking false testimony. Hey, can we just find? Can we find a liar anywhere? That'll testify against the truth. And they found them. And it was a bunch of them. Yet Jesus suffered because of liars and false witnesses. Now, of course, we know God's will, don't we? Yeah, it was God's will at such a time as this for Jesus to come and be betrayed. Not just by Judas, not just by Peter, but by those religious leaders and such. Yeah, Jesus suffered because of liars and false witnesses. I just want to point that out. Third thing that I think we need to pay attention to is being a false witness includes many of the white lies which are so prevalent in our lives. In context, this ninth commandment, it targets those false testimonies that harm other people in, in the, a judicial context. But God hates all lying. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. <clears throat> there are six things that the Lord hates, even that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Notice, liars are mentioned twice in this list. You make the list twice. Seven things the Lord hates, and he, he mentions liars two times. Yeah. It's an abomination. To the Lord, Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips, again, are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Hosea, the prophet, brings this up, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. He lists off a bunch of things, and what he's doing here, see what this sounds like to you. Where does he get this, this list from? Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. What are those? What's that sound like? Yeah, it sounds like America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, it does. It sounds like the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's obvious. What's Hosea doing? Sound like a, yeah. <laughs> sound like America. Yeah. Good gracious. That's terrible that you're, that you're right. Um, yeah, it sounds like the Ten Commandments, and, and that's obvious. Yeah, it's an obvious reference to the, the, the ten words, the list of the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting, he says lying here, and he uses a different word. In, in Exodus chapter 20, there's a certain Hebrew word that, that is bearing false witness in, in a judicial setting. But here, he doesn't use that word. He uses a word, just a general, generic word for lying. Because... 
Yeah, God wants justice. He wants people to bear witness faithfully and truly. But he hates all lying. We shouldn't bear false testimony in, in a judicial setting, but nor should we let lying words come out of our mouths. So why do we lie? And I say we because we're all liars. Just like we're all adulterers, we're all thieves, we're all idolaters, we're all throw us in a throw us in a bowl and mix us all up, man. We're we all are guilty. Why do we lie? Why do you lie? Rhetorical question. Why do you lie? Why do I lie? Well, firstly, because our hearts aren't right. As we said earlier at the beginning, we don't love God rightly. We don't love God as we should. So we're not loving others as we should. Our hearts aren't like Jesus' heart. Think about Christ. He is truth. He abhors Lying. We're not like him. Are we ever more unlike God than when we lie? I mean, think about the enemy. Satan is called the father of what? Yeah, y'all know it. Yeah, that's his title. He's the father of lies. You know, he's so unlike God. Are we ever more like unlike God than when we don't tell the truth. Why do we lie? Sometimes just to avoid consequences. Just to avoid consequences. Kids lie to their parents. Most of the time, they don't want to be spanked. Or for you that don't spank your kids because they don't want to lose their phone or their privileges or their keys or what have you. So they lie. They bend the truth. They stretch the truth or what have you. Why do we lie? Sometimes to protect what we want others to think of us. We want to be thinking, we want others to think well of us. So sometimes we lie to, to guard that because we don't want everybody to know that we're liars. Why do we lie? Sometimes just out of malicious intent. We're just hateful, mean people sometimes. And we want, we want somebody to suffer and, and somebody to hurt. And so we want to stick it to them good. So sometimes we lie. And you say, well, you're being a little harsh there, preacher. Sometimes we tell big whoppers, you know. But most of us, we're not really big liars. We just lie a little bit. I mean, how many would say, I'm just a dog-faced liar. I lie all the time. I tell whoppers always. Not many of us would say that. But we, we just... We just we tell the little white lies, what we call sanctified sins, of which I am guilty. What do you mean by that? Well, let's kind of get to the nitty-gritty here. Exaggerating the truth. We do this to make ourselves look good or better. And sometimes we exaggerate the truth to make others look bad. I love to hunt. It's my, one of my hobbies. How many did you kill? Oh, 10, 15. No, you killed six, you liar. <laughs> six. And you know what's so crazy? You kill six. This is what's so crazy, Blake. You kill six at the time. Next time, you're probably going to kill 10 or 12. So why not just wait until you kill 10 or 12? Let's say you kill 10 or 12. I kill 15, 20. I don't know. Why do we do that? It's just, oh, it's just a little, I don't know how I many. Yeah, you probably know exactly. Because you probably counted when you left. We exaggerate the truth. When talking about a coworker who gets on your last nerve, you know, some people you just got to gotta fast and pray about. And you say, that woman gets to work late every day. Well, she, she might get to work late, probably not every day. It might be once a week, and she should get to work on time. We all should, right? Oh, she gets to work she, every day, that woman's late. Tears me up. 
You know, we exaggerate the truth. We're, we're lying, right? What about fudging the numbers? We talked about this last week, dealing with stealing. What, on our timesheet, on our mileage log, you a real Christian person, follower of Jesus, heir to Christ. We got we to gotta watch that. It's real easy to keep up with your mileage this day and time. Really easy. You can get it exact. If you're not real sure, to take a hit and put less, right? Or doing your taxes. I'm not real sure. When this, how's it? You're not real sure. Is that really the truth? And what happens when we do the, these things? Whether it's a timesheet, a mileage log, our taxes. Well, we break we break the eighth and the ninth commandment, right? We're stealing and lying. Yeah, it's just little white sanctified lies, right? What about flattery? This will, for some of us, flattery. I mean, we say good things that we really don't mean, we really don't believe to manipulate somebody else. You give them out of boys when you really don't believe it. So you'll get the promotion, you'll get the position, you'll get the this, you'll get the that. We kind of manipulate, don't we? Kissing up to the boss, tell them things that you know aren't true, say things that you really don't feel because you're going to win out, possibly. Or what about just gossip? Gossip, you understand what I mean by that? Do we ever gossip? Do we ever share information without making, without making another person look bad? And do we ever do that? Do we actually... When we're gossiping, usually we don't tell the truth. We change it up just a little bit, you know, leave out detail here, add a detail there, make it look as bad as possible on the individual. The only problem with that is you're lying and it's not loving. First Corinthians 13, what does love do? It covers over sin. All right? Bob Deffenbaugh, he's a pastor, retired pastor. I love him. I read a lot of his writings. He's, he has several things. He talks about gossip and lying and the difference between a, a, someone who's slandering somebody and lying and someone who's a true witness. He says this, false witnesses bear testimony to the wrong people. True witnesses take up the matter with the offender first and then with those in authority and finally before all if necessary. But even then, the evidence and testimony is carefully scrutinized. A false witness seeks to make a matter as public as possible, but a true witness makes sin only as pub public as is required. False witnesses are motivated by evil, true witnesses by their love for God, for good, and for justice. False witnesses tear down and destroy others where true witnesses ultimately edifies others. Even if it's painful initially. Yeah. Just a couple things there to think about. We're Exaggeration, flattery, not being real clear and careful with our, you know, our reimbursement sheets and things like that. That's a... That's a no-no to the Lord. So let's talk about application here real quickly. What do we do with this? Well, I would say firstly, and we do this every week, don't we? Firstly, we're all lawbreakers. God gives us His law, His commandments, to show us His will, to show us His character, to show the Israelites how they should live their lives. But the, the, the problem with the, the law is wonderful and beautiful and good. Read Psalm 119, read Psalm 19. It's wonderful. And what the, the law does, it shows us our sin. You think, well, that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. But the law is like a mirror. And what do, we, what do you want the mirror to do? You want the mirror to show you yourself. So you can, whether it's fix your hair or your blemishes or whatever. 
you don't want the kind of the warped, bended mirrors, do you, that make you look better than you are. That's not the purpose of a mirror. The law is a mirror. It shows us our sin. Guess what? We're all sinners. We're all liars. We all stretch truth, bend the truth. We all have done that. And so, if you're here and you're a lawbreaker, which we all are, and you've yet to repent and, and trust Christ as Savior and Lord, then application for you would be today, repent. Turn from your lying ways and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. Jesus lived a perfect life. This law that we, we read, we've been reading it every Sunday morning, these Ten Commandments. We've been reading them every time. Jesus kept those laws completely and perfectly because he is truth, right? And he is God. And he kept them in our place for us. Liars don't, liars don't see Jesus in heaven. Liars, the, the, the song, we kinda, we've been talking about this for a while. The music today is awesome. Just talking about glory and talking about what it's going to be like. If you're a liar, these songs mean nothing. You can't sing them. Soon and very soon, you're going to burn in hell. What a day that'll be, but it ain't going to be a good day for you if you're a liar. Say, preacher, that's heavy. Say, yeah, man, it's real heavy. It's true. We're all lawbreakers. We're all liars. If you've yet to repent and, and trust Christ's work, on the cross, see, Jesus lived a perfect life for us, and he died on this cross. He died physically, and then the Father poured out his wrath, all the wrath. We read about that. He pours it out on Jesus, and Jesus bore that for sinners. He, was, he died. He was buried. On the third day, he rose from the, the grave. The Bible says so we could be justified. In other words, we could be made right with God. We could, we could have Jesus' record of always telling the truth, never exaggerating, never giving someone flattery to manipulate them. Jesus never did that, ever. We need that. Because I need it because I'm a liar. And you need it because you're a liar. Like, preacher, you don't know nothing about me. I, I, I know what the Bible says. We're all liars. We need Jesus' record. He's truthful and honest and good in every way. I need that. How do you get it? By repenting, turning from your sinful ways and trusting Christ's work as your own. Jesus, you say, Jesus, I'm wrong. I've, I've sinned and I'm, I'm a liar. And I don't want to be a liar. I want to speak truth. I want to be somebody that, that can be trusted. God, I know you live for me, and, and Jesus, you died for me. I know you died for me, and you, you were buried on the third day you rose so I could be justified. I'm trusting you today. Save me. Forgive me. I want to follow you and live for you the rest of my days. So by way of application, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to repent. I'd love to talk to you about that. You're like, I'm not really exactly sure even though the, the pastor just explained that perfectly clear. <laughs> I don't really know exactly what I need to do. Talk to me. There's a lot of people here. I'm looking around. There's a lot of testimonies represented in this room. A lot of people would love to talk to you about what it means to repent and trust Christ. But by way of advocate, maybe that's you. You need to repent and trust Christ. for the. You need to repent for the first time and trust Christ and be introduced to the Father and have a relationship with Him. Maybe that needs to happen for you. Maybe, maybe we're believers. Some of us are believers, right? There's some believers here. Maybe we're just convicted as a follower of Jesus because we hadn't been truthful in all things. Man, that's me. You know, exaggerating. No, we need to be truth tellers. We need to be honest in everything, in every way. You know, that don't mean you hurt people's feelings. 
But in, in, in when I ask questions, you need to give an honest answer. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Paul says this to the Ephesian Christians. Don't walk, don't walk, don't live like a lost. When he say Gentile, it means a lost person. Don't, don't live like a lost person. And then verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We need to be honest. We just need to be honest. Kids, you need to be honest with your parents. Did you get your homework done? Oh, I got it all done. I got it all done. Really? If you say you got it done, that means you got every bit of it, every single part of it done. Be honest. Yeah, maybe we need to just repent and, and ask the Lord for grace to obey Him in, in, in this way. Maybe for believers, we just need to confess that. Maybe, maybe you're a, a person here who struggles, and we've said this several times. Maybe you, you struggle with some of these things, you know, whether it's a lustful heart and adultery, whether you bitterness and anger, you know. I'm, I'm on your timesheet at work. You, you have the freedom to record a lot of these things that aren't true. Maybe you need to confess that to a brother or a sister. Say, hey, I've just struggled in this area. I need some accountability. Maybe you hadn't been completely honest with your spouse, with your boss, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. Maybe we just need to repent today and, and ask for grace to obey. Proverbs 19.22. Sometimes we, we, we lie because of money. I'm going to lie and get out of this. Get out, you know. We get pulled over because we're driving too fast. and say, What's your hurry? You're looking up with your spouse. Can you act like you're in labor for just a moment? Right? You say, man, I'm not in any hurry. I could come up with some convoluted sort. I just wasn't paying attention. Man, I deserve a ticket. Proverbs 19.22. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Be better if we're all poor than to be liars. Right? I mean, think about it. Sometimes we cheat. Some of the things we, we we stretch the truth on, or we withhold, like we're dealing with our taxes. How much money is it going to actually save us? Like one night out of dinner, it's going to save us like peanuts sometimes. So why would we lie about nothing, right? We're, we're to be yes men and a yes man and a no man. What I mean by that is we have the letters of the law. Don't bear false witness in a judicial setting. But we've said this is the intent is for us to be honest all the time. And Jesus in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, verse 33 through 37, again, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Swearing, that's not talking about cussing here. It's talking about giving your word, right? But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. <clears throat> Verse 37 of Matthew 5, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So we need to be people when we say yes or say no. That's what we mean. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, I didn't take care of this responsibility. No, I forgot. I'm sorry. This is the thing. Parents, if you have to say, I, I promise to your spouse or your children. No, I promise. I promise. That's a, that's a bad Indicator. That's an indicator that something's not right. I promise I'm going to do it this time. I promise I won't. I promise. Just say what, you're, just say what you mean. 
little heavy today. Um, next week will be equally heavy. But we need it, don't we? Because we struggle. Most of us probably say, well, I struggle just to not telling whoppers. You know? We don't say we caught one this big, right? We just say, well, I caught one that big, right? We just stretch a little bit, flattery, exaggerating a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think we, we, have, we need to be truth tellers. So I'm going to pray. Ask the worship team, come on up. Father, we acknowledge that we are needy indeed. And, and Lord, there's some here who they need salvation and they've yet to repent. There's children, there's students, there's adults, I would say, that, that have yet to repent and trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. And they need to repent today because they're liars and they're going to end up in the lake of fire where they deserve to be for all eternity because they failed to repent and trust Christ. And I pray, Father, that you would be merciful to them, to that student, to that little girl, to that older man. I pray that you would be merciful to them and you would grant them repentance and faith today. That the words they've heard would ring loud in their ears all day and then they lay on their pillow tonight in the darkness of that room that the gospel would be so loud and their heart would be so broken and they would want to know you more than anything in the world. Pray that you would do a work in sinners today. And for our church, those who are believers, I pray that you would um, help us, Lord, as we confess our sin, as we repent of stretching the truth and exaggerating, saying things about someone in a bad light in such a way that it makes them look terrible. We've been dishonest in that, and we, we need help. We need your grace that we'd be honest people, truth tellers. Help us to be like Jesus. And we are thankful. The church is so thankful for Jesus who died to set us free. And we recognize, Father, we're never, we'll never be more righteous positionally than we are right now because of what Christ has done for us. But, Father, our, our, our attitude and our actions need... Need, we need help. So give it to us. Father, may we obey you in, in every way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us. Let's sing. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message or would like more information about our church, Call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.